Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist Podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, and I welcome you here to the show. If you are new and are enjoying this podcast, help me help others. Rate and review. Free yourself from narcissistic abuse and draw long-lasting, powerful boundaries. Get your free workshop now at ravenscott.show forward slash free dash workshop. And thank you for the anonymous donor who donated to support the show this week. You can do the same to continue this show to be in production as it is an independent show at ravenscott.show forward slash shop. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I wanted to address addictions. As empaths, we feel intensely. And most of the time, we just want to numb life and the overstimulus out. We're a hot mess sometimes. And maybe right now you're a hot mess. And that is perfectly okay. Because I too was once a hot mess. I almost committed suicide through trying to drink an entire bottle of vodka. Alcohol was my go-to numbing effect and numbing tool. And at the worst part of my life in the relationship with my ex-narcissist, I was unhappy with my job, but he felt he kept me so trapped in continuing to go to that job rather than encouraging me to find a side hustle and transition into something I enjoyed, his fear trapped me into working there. And I felt like there was no exit. And then with his emotional abuse and neglect and sexual abuse and the long nights again of partying and alcohol and like Gumby, if you guys are millennials and grew up with uh, Gumby, Gumby type sex and great. I was in my 20s. I could do that, but it wasn't a connection, right? So it was definitely not enjoyable. So I just numbed myself. I just numbed myself with alcohol and was like hanging out, waiting for the ending. I was numbing myself at work, drinking, you know, sneaking alcohol in my soda at lunch. I was at a point where I was an alcoholic by definition. And just to address everyone else's thoughts and trigger points about uh, what is, uh, you know, the definition of addiction, or when I say the word addiction, you say, I'm not addicted. I'm just using this. I'm just enjoying. I'm just relaxing with whatever substance you're using. Or I just really love to eat cake or sugars. Like, it's just, you know, my guilty pleasure. But the definition of addiction is the fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. What does a being addicted mean? It is you are dependent uh, on the craving. You have formed a habit that is a compulsion that you cannot say no to, to numb yourself, to rely on maybe getting through the day. And It is important to realize, first recognize, that you are misusing that 
piece of pleasure that maybe can be given to us for an occasional use. Like, uh, you know, martini or a cocktail on Friday evening when you're ready to relax. Or maybe it is, you know, a piece of cake at a birthday party. Occasional, right? Every once in a while. Not an everyday occurrence, you know. Or drugs. It's You can certainly do medicinal natural drugs that are legal if you so choose. Um, but again, it's occasional. You know, I listened to a podcast, A Ghost of a Podcast by Jessica Lignato, and she's constantly telling you like what the horoscope is for this week and is it good energy to use spiritually enhancing drugs or not. So there's a time and place for those too. If you're using weed every day, day in and day out, that's also not healthy. And I also want to address some other unspoken addictions, such as uh, social media is a form of addiction. Your phone is a form of addiction. Consuming information, right, on YouTube or social media or the news, that's also a form of addiction because you're relying on it to soothe you, to soothe the uncomfortable feelings of maybe worry, angst, depression. And unfortunately, especially when you're consuming the news and scrolling on social media, there's this thing called dooms scrolling. So what you're, the, the salve that you're going to, to soothe your depression and anxiety actually enhances your depression and anxiety. So it's a double-edged sword. And also even spirituality and meditation. I would also say spirituality in the religious realm, right? Serving and volunteering at your church and uh, going to church once or twice a week or three times a week. And the meditation. The meditation can actually, even though I love it and I talk about it all the time, if you're using it to stop your thinking, to like, escape your body, then that also can be used as a form to numb yourself, a form of addiction. Meditation is absolutely a beautiful conduit for transcendence and uh, calm, right? But what I've found is that when I sit down to meditate, my thoughts start to attack me. And right, you think, oh, I have to sit down to meditate to escape my thoughts, to stop the thinking. But that's, again, that's another form of escapism. So actually, the, the best way to address these uncomfortable feelings and overwhelm as the empath from everything you're feeling that you think is yours, but it's actually someone else's, all of the anxiety and the, what do they think about me? Do they love me? All of these external things that you are basing your value and identity on, all of those things start to attack you when you sit down to meditate. But that's the key, actually, is to listen to those thoughts. That's the actual meditation, is to be with your breath and those thoughts. I'm going to take you through some ways to exit this numbing cycle. And just, again, to attest and share with you, I almost killed myself with a giant bottle of vodka. I enjoyed and was then addicted and dependent on alcohol, was an alcoholic, was able to wean myself off of the hard liquor, wean myself off of wine. I became pregnant and I was like, oops, I can't drink anything. So, but it was still hard because my mind kept wanting to, you know, 
wait, I can't wait until I stop breastfeeding so I can have that glass of wine after they go to bed. Or I can have that scotch after they go to bed. And you know what? I found myself continually on this journey of doing all these exercises that I share with you in the podcast and in my book. Finding that when I went to those substances on the occasion to enjoy them in a healthy way occasionally, they made my body feel like shit. Like I felt so horrible. It was worse than eating any type of food allergy. It was almost like I became allergic to alcohol and my body was just, you know, showing me, hey, like it's better to drink clean. Drink the water that you've been depriving yourself of all day instead of that glass, that cocktail glass. And really found myself not even desiring to drink the glass. And maybe that's a goal for you. And maybe that's not. It really was never a goal for me. It just kind of happened. You know, my goal was always to just enjoy my addiction in a healthy way that it wasn't an addiction. Um, Yeah. So there's a way and there's a process to be able to go from empath, emotional overwhelm with your shield down and continually wanting to numb onto the path of enjoying those in a healthy manner and or maybe completely being off them at all and not really needing them. So here are the eight ways to exit that numbing cycle as an empath and to really remove yourself from the fog and cloud of that the narcissist puts over you and that after, even after you leave, you've put over yourself to protect you from the pain and the heartache in the real world out there and to shift into shining your unique light. So number one is to acknowledge and sit with these uncomfortable feelings. Before you go grab your addiction, your substance of choice, don't go to numb it right away. Like I said, the true meditation is to sit with these thoughts that you feel are attacking you and to be curious about them and to say, where is this coming from? Is this mine in the beginning? Is this truly my thought? Why am I feeling this feeling? It's really uncomfortable. Or somebody says something or you smell something and you get triggered. Take a deep breath, first of all. Just breathe so that you don't panic inside and feel like you want to run away or vomit or whatever, grab your numbing substance, taking those deep breaths, finding yourself going, these are really interesting thoughts. You know, just a few moments ago, I did not feel this. This wasn't my existence. So where are these thoughts coming from? And what is happening? What is going on? So again, this takes a little bit of practice of breathing removing your ego from being intertwined with these feelings and being an observer and a bystander of almost like your own psyche and what's going on. And the key to this also is removing yourself from others. Again, when your identity is entangled with everything on the outside of yourself, like what people say, what people think, when they trigger you, you are entangled in them. And so you take personal offense you get really defensive, you get upset, and your fog has completely blinded any rational reasoning uh, and even what your heart is feeling. It completely blocks it. So that is step number one is acknowledging these comfortable 
emotions and feelings. Number two is connecting with your body, like I said, and breathing, breathing in, just breathe, breathing out, taking four deep breaths. If you want to take it a step further, if you're really in panic mode, do EFT tapping practice to calm yourself down, to give yourself confidence to know that the worst, what's the worst that could happen? Calming down now. You're relaxing your body. You're relaxing everything. And then number three is to listen to your intuition. Take a walk. Again, in addition to EFT tapping, any type of trigger, especially in PTSD, walking is a cure. Walking gets your brain to, to in this like left-right motion, taking you out of your fight-or-flight mode. The action of mobilizing your body is what calms you down as well. And finding a place to walk where you can be amongst nature and trees in your neighborhood, but even just outside getting fresh air. There's enough flowers and trees even in the concrete jungle that you can find and just recognize them getting into that fresh air and breathing in nature and removing yourself from the toxic energy that can be trapped inside a home. And especially if you're in the circumstance right now and you're living with a narcissist, this is the biggest step for you is to remove yourself from their energy and just get outside and walk around because it's really interesting about this energy, this dark mass of negativity and their dark vortex, like that fog that you think is unreal in the energetic plane. It is very foggy. It is very gray and it is very real. So even though you can't see it, you can feel it, right? So your body's feeling a lot of anxiety and, and, and tension. So remove yourself from that aura of dark gray fog out into the fresh air. Now, number four step is one of my favorites is now if you need to remove yourself, take a journal and pencil and find, you know, a spot in your neighborhood to write or in a few minutes, come back inside and write whatever it feels safe for you. Again, if you're in the thick of it with a narcissist, the last thing you want them to read is your journal, but that'll be the end of this step is they won't actually get to read it. But sometimes they'll, they'll see you doing it and then they'll get curious and defensive and take it from your hand and want to read it. So find a safe place away from them to journal it all out. And maybe you've left the narcissist already, but you still have these horrible feelings and triggers, which I 100% can relate to. So something might occur that, oh, you know, touches an open wound. So find a space to sit down and journal. Write that shit out. Write everything, tears and tears and all dropping on the page. Write for a good, I don't know, maybe seven minutes. Just write everything out. Even when you pause and you think you're done writing, hold yourself to write a little bit more and see what else comes out. And it may be the same sentence over and over. That is perfectly fine. And so then after you've journaled out what you're feeling in the moment, now think and try and recall back when is the first time you felt this feeling you're feeling now? That's going to remove the root of this feeling you have, thinking all the way back. And I want to add a side note to this ritual. You want to use all natural elements. So paper is 
uh, unfortunately it's bleached, but you know, it's the best we can do in this modern times, but it is a natural part of the earth. That's like fiber. You, you want to use a pencil that has lead, like the erasable pencils. And that is also part of the earth, the graphite. And all of your thoughts and your words that you're writing down is an element from the air. And uh, write everything that you've, you felt and what happened the first time at the root of this feeling, the very first time you can recall this happened. Maybe it was when you were five. Maybe it's when you were 12. And write out everything that that made you feel and what happened. Get that all out. And now that that's been literally, you know, Dumbledore-like removed from your brain onto the paper, now we get to use a fire element. And you're going to safely burn this in a stainless steel pot where the flames cannot catch fire on anything because it will go up and flame up uh, out of the top of the stainless steel pot for a few seconds and burn that shit. Burn it. And what that's doing is it's transmuting it. It is changing the state. You've already changed the state of what it was in the air onto the earth. And now you take it from the earth and you burn it into fire and you transmute it back up into the air. But when you sacrifice it, you are burning it up to the divine, whomever you connect with as a higher power. I think God is a really triggering word, so I don't use it. Uh, To be quite honest, my poor little one already at, maybe it's because of the environment I've created where it's like, we don't use the word, you know, I don't say we don't use the word God. I've always just said goddess, divine, the universe. And anyways, it's very triggering for her, even at seven. It's incredible. So it was triggering for me. So maybe she picked it up. But at any rate, I feel your pain about it being very triggering because it, it connotes the abuse that you experienced. It connects directly to it. So connect. We're transmuting this up into the universe. Let's just call it the universe because that's where it's going. It's just going back into the ethers, back into the air of this existent world and energy around us. And then the last final important step is as soon as you can, use the water element and shower everything away. Any residual thoughts you may have about it, any residual uh, feelings, you cleanse it away with a nice shower or a bath. You can even soak in the bath if you wish and just allow the water very powerful the water by the way to wash away any residual energy from this trigger point from these uncomfortable emotions that started you to want to grab your addiction modality in the first place and find yourself the next day having that tiny bit of a root of a weed in your body and brain plucked out it's removed now from the root it's not going to grow back I have done this over and over with every single little weed and trigger that I have. And they don't come back. They really, truly don't. It is such a powerful ritual. It is so amazing. And it's not just me. I can attest that I've told other friends to do this. And they have given me testimonies that 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 particular feeling and trigger, it's gone. It does not come back. So I encourage you to do that ritual anytime that you're feeling this. It is the most potent, by the way, 
around the full moon. The full the moon uh, represents our emotions and when it's full, it is most illuminated. So our emotions are at the heightened illuminations. So it's a beautiful time 48 hours before and after, especially after during the full moon or like 48 hours after because as it starts waning, that's a perfect time to release. But any time is a good time if you're feeling triggered to do this ritual. Number five is then to substitute or fill in what you may feel like you had wanted to reach for, like a cocktail, and maybe grab a sparkling bubbly water with some bitters, which actually would be really healthy for you in your digestive system. Doing something that's soul-filling. So maybe that's gardening. Maybe that's painting. Doing something that comforts you and is some type of self-care, a massage, a body wrap, a hot sauna to a cold shower. Like this is why I do the monthly seasonal Zodiac seasonal self-care blogs, because this is what you need to remove yourself from this addiction cycle. And when you're in the addiction cycle and you're numbing, you're never going to heal and you're going to stay in this victim loop. It's almost like when a record is broken and it keeps playing the same sentence over and over, that's where you're at when you're not cleansing all these things out and removing the numbing substances. Sugar, social media, your phone, consuming too much information, alcohol, addictions, even listening to this podcast and then doing nothing about it, right? You can listen all day. You can take a horse to a stream, but you can't force it to drink water. I can't force you to do any of these things. It's your choice to step out of this numbing and victim cycle into your empowerment and your beautiful, unique light. So self-care. This is why I write those self-cares every month. You can subscribe to the Zodiac monthly self-care newsletter on the website, ravenscott.show, anywhere where you are subscribing and you get onto the email list, you will receive this. You will receive sparkle reminders every Saturday and you will receive so much more support. Number six is connecting to your higher power. So I think I'm a highly spiritual person and I can't say that everyone is. I actually live with someone who is not a highly spiritual person. He's very rational. Uh, He kind of uh, follows the stoic mentality. It's not a religion. It's just a whole bunch of different virtues to live by. He was raised Buddhist, but doesn't also really claim to be Buddhist. And that's perfectly fine. You don't have to be a spiritual person to acknowledge that there is a higher power. And there is something holding us all together, be it luck, be it the universe, be it whatever you want to address it as. Goddess, you know, you've got the healed ancestors, you have angels and archangels and avatars and maha avatars and a whole slew of energy and people who's lived in in the past and the future you know time is a loop time is not the past present and future time is a constant warping loop so we have these people surrounding us or these beings entities helping us i believe and it's it's important to connect with them to help you guide you connecting to mother nature for me as well is a higher power that guides me. Mother Nature has been here long before we have. She supports us. She's here. And it makes me really sad 
that we ignore her and we don't support her back and we're not in partnership. So the reason it's important to connect to higher power is it removes all of that burden and responsibility, I think, off of us existing and feeling like we have to be perfect and we have to get everything right. And the truest, highest power is never, ever expecting us to be perfect because it already sees us perfect. It doesn't see us as sinners and we have to repent and pay money and serve, do all this servitude to rectify our horrible nature. It sees us as a beautiful light energy already. You, you may be glowing an aura of red, blue, purple, or green. You could be the whole rainbow spectrum of an aura energy. And that's what it sees us as. So that's all you need to really know. It doesn't even really control anything. It just kind of is, right? That's what I believe. You can believe whatever you choose. And that's the importance of just connecting with your higher power and really finding that ability to release, like I said, to transmute your burdens to something that is greater than you. You know, at the end of all meditations and yoga, the old Hindu greeting, namaste. And what that means is my higher self, which is essentially my light, my divine light inside me, sees you, your divine light within you. That's simply what it means. And I love that greeting because it really shows that the higher power is within us. It is the light. So connecting with something that is within you, that also is holding you from outside of your body, if you will, gives you such a peace and a calm to know that you don't have to do it alone. You're not alone. Number seven is embrace forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard. This one's hard because it's taken me many, many, many years to be able to come to a place where I can think of my ex-abuser and thank him for all of the new things that he introduced to me. You know, I thank him for opening up my eyes and introducing me to science and evolution because I was sheltered from that and I was taught that that's not true and only the Bible tells us of how the earth was created, which is a bunch of hogwash. And with the evidence of science right in front of us, I appreciate him showing me that. I appreciate him introducing me to being able to know how to look pretty when I want to. I can. And when I'm feeling, you know, like a little bit creative and Venus oriented, most of the time I don't have to, right? It's a really beautiful balance. And I'm grateful, uh, I don't know, just for all the fun adventures, even though some of them were life, life-threatening and periling, we did have some fun time. But I also forgive him for expecting me to provide his emotional shortfallings. I forgive him for expecting me to be a porn star robot, which that doesn't exist. I forgive him for being upset about his career and taking it out on me. I forgive him for being selfish and trying to manipulate everything into his favor. 
But it all, that only happens when you come to a place where you can take all those roots, right, from your childhood and the weeds and remove them and transmute them up to the universe because now they're gone. Because each time you do that, you're removing the identity that you're the victim and you're becoming just who you are. And like, I've learned a lesson from that experience. And the more that you connect with yourself and you listen to your intuition and you invest in your self-care, the easier it will be to forgive. And I, I don't ever reach out to say, hey, I forgive you. That's obviously a very dumb move that I did when I first left. And he took that as quote unquote code for like, I'm in a bad situation and I need help. Come rescue me. Like he thought he was the rescuer. He also then was like in the same email. He was like, and if it's not code, then I forget what he said, but he just said some horrible things to me because he was still so mad and angry that I left. And I think he let me know that he was still following me and like stalking me and knew what I was up to or something. And yeah, so definitely don't reach out and say, I forgive you. Just forgive them in your heart. That's all you need to do in the stillness of your own space and mind and heart. And when we forgive, that removes something out of our basket or our hand. And we open up our fist and we let it go and fly away. And that opens up an abundance. That opens up for something to land in our open hands that we just let go right, of that resentment, now, possibly, that opens up your hand to invite in a healthy partner if you're looking. Probably shouldn't be looking while you're healing at the moment, but maybe you're not looking like me. I wasn't looking at all. And I landed my beautiful soulmate right into my hand. And so it's just, it gives you an opportunity for abundance when you release and let go of the resentment and the unforgiveness. And number eight is serve others. So once you get to a place where you've been able to forgive yourself, you've been able to substitute your addictions for healthy self-care habits, you've gotten to a place where you can journal and burn and doing that repeatedly over and over for all these different, you know, tiny rooted wounds, I'll call them weeds, that are in your head and burning them out plucking them out. Once you've listened to your intuition and found yourself a healing and healthy coping mechanism like EFT tapping and walking to subside your triggers, once you've connected with your body and you've breathed, and once you've acknowledged and sat with your uncomfortable feelings, then you'll be able to serve others. And not like I was just saying, not out of servitude, like you have to serve others to be better. You just willingly want to share your story. And that's all you need to do to serve others. Just let them know that they're not alone. And this is why I started this podcast and wrote my book. Was like, I really need to help others and share like what has helped me heal. Because for some reason, it seems to be like hidden or really hard for us to know what to do. So yes, you'll just start to share your story, even with it's just your neighbors or your friends, and it's not very public. You will touch the life of just one other person or a handful of other people. Because if you know one neighbor, then you'll know a couple other neighbors who have been affected by narcissism. 
This is insidious. It is really a problem that we need to dispel. And it only comes from our own healing and our own awakening and then teaching the future generations the knowledge about this type of behavior, teaching parents how to parent in a loving way, being available emotionally for their children, holding space and stop abusing their children emotionally when they don't even know they're doing it, right? When you're telling a child, stop crying, when you're not acknowledging their emotions, when you are discrediting their accomplishments because it wasn't an A plus and it was only a B or you know, you could have done better or whatever you start to do to try, you think you're trying to improve your child, but all you're doing is you're cutting them down. Even the little corrections of how to maybe do something safely. Don't be so sharp in your criticism and say, let's just say, for example, something that's really important, right? Look both ways before you cross the street. There's two different ways to deliver that that can really lift your child's spirit and empower them or cut it down and abuse them. The first way is saying, stop that, stop. You're always always running out in the street. You have to look both ways. How many times have I told you to look both ways? Versus an empowering and uplifting way to share with them to cross the street safely is, is you would, especially if you're right there physically, grab their hands and say, have you looked both ways? Look left, look right, no cars, let's cross. And so you're being a role model, an example, and you're kind of implementing that habit for them every single time you cross the street. Two completely different ways that a child can learn to look both ways before they cross the street. One is abusive, one is empowering. And so it starts with us even doing the simplest things like that in the future generations to dispel these children from having these coping mechanisms and emotionally being torn down and then therefore thinking that that's normal and emotionally tearing down people in their adult life as well as just being angry and upset and tearing down people because they're angry and upset. Lots of different formulas and factors with how one person can become a narcissist and then how us empaths can be conditioned to be an empath, right? You could have, in the same scenario with the the parent yelling to you about not looking both ways across the street, one child's going to come out to be a nervous wreck empath using addictions to numb, and the other child's going to be a psychopathic narcissist or even just a covert or malignant narcissist who is doing the same thing to others. So I empower you to use these eight ways to exit your numbing cycle as an empath. And like Jennifer Moore said in episode 79 just last week, yeah, we're all a hot mess and that's okay. That happens. We are conditioned as empaths to be hot messes because we don't want anyone to be upset around us and we don't want to feel uncomfortable. We want everyone to be happy and we want to avoid all the conflict in the world. And that's just not feasible. So in order to stop this numbing cycle of addiction through alcohol, drugs, sugar, social media, your phone, consuming too much, avoiding current affairs, and getting your news from social media. This is called spiritual bypassing and even numbing out in meditation. I think I didn't care about speaking up about politics until this year which has been a really 
eye-opening year with so many religious extremists and narcissists having their way and changing things in the laws that is affecting my children. So unfortunately, I feel like silence is complicit and I will always fight for the betterment of the future of our children. And so occasionally politics will come up again if it relates to narcissism and a perfect example for us to look at and rectify. Because if we're hiding our head in the sand about these things, then the narcissist will always have control. They will continue to perpetuate their abuse cycle in the systems in our lives. To find yourself to be empowered and to regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I just wanted to share a beautiful review from Carissa Dawn. Thank you so much. It says, great resource for help with narcissistic abuse. I love this podcast. She does a great job with explaining narcissism and emotions we as empaths have. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for subscribing and reviewing my book, Empath and the Narcissist, available on Amazon. I am giving out a free gift of weekly support in your inbox and a live workshop. So when you buy your copy, we will immediately start sending you a year of sparkle reminders. Every Saturday, I will email you a powerful affirmation and musing to help you boost your self-esteem and emotional intelligence. Plus, receive your free ticket to an exclusive How to Embrace Yourself live workshop, October 18th. Heal from narcissistic abuse, rise up in your power, and own your worthiness for abundance. There's just a few steps to follow. Go to ravenscott.show forward slash empath and the narcissist and click the link in the show notes to get your copy, share your order number, and immediately get your free gifts today. And remember, always keep your unique light shining. Why do I regret this? In my mind, reckless thoughts are feeling endless. Sitting up, I'm breathless. Anxiety's infectious. I feel so defenseless, betrayed and embarrassed. I hate being open. I hate being broken. I feel like an ocean filled up with emotion. Anger ain't a potion. Rub it on like lotion. I can feel it soaking. Reopen the scars have awoken. I can't move on till I.